you know, when, when I left, uh, when I was appointed to, to Rise OC, uh, and we moved from Mission Valley, at that time, you know, I always felt like, you know what, I'm okay. I stayed pretty active, played a lot of basketball, and at that time, I was on a, playing in a city league, and you know, I, I remember because we had Sunday night games, and at one of my games, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I always, you know, do my best. I'm running around, and after the game, one of my teammates, younger teammate, his girlfriend said, "Hey, Phil, you know what? I'm really surprised. You move pretty well for an old guy. Like, you know, I'm in, and I, th- I thought, thank you. I think right, but I felt like, you know what? I just see, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm in all right shape, right? And you know, at that time." We had just moved, and I was kind of looking around, you know, how can I get involved in the community there? And, uh, you know, one of my friends said, hey, you should get connected to a, a gym that's near the church. You know, there's one, like, literally across the street from your office. And, and so I said, you know what, let me check it out. And, uh, you know, I looked around, and I found, like, a discount code for, like, a trial session. I was like, all right, this is perfect, right? So I showed up there, and, you know, it was this CrossFit gym. And I'd never, you know, been there before. I'd never been to any uh, CrossFit gyms before. And I was a little nervous, but I thought, you know what? I'm in pretty decent shape, right? And, and so it was Monday morning at 8 a.m., and I showed up, and um, this small but, you know, intense uh, woman was there to greet me. And, she, you know, she's saying, hey, I'm one of the coaches here. And, you know, hey, let's, let's get into this. And me and this other person, we went into this kind of intro class, and they're like, these are different movements, this is what you do, this is how you do it properly. And we went through 30 minutes of these warm-ups and these different uh, kind of movements, and, and then I, I was sweating, and I was like, man, this is a good workout. This is great, you know, I kind of like this gym. You know, and then she looked at me and she said, okay, you guys ready to do today's workout? And I was like, what do you mean? I was done. You know, I was ready to go home. I was feeling good. And then we started the workout. And I don't know if it's just a, you know, uh, just a kind of sinful flaw, but, you know, there's this kind of macho thing. And so I have this, this young woman who, like, you know, maybe I'm supposed to do 50 sit-ups or something. I'm at, like, 30. And I would have quit right there. I was like, oh, I'm good, you know. And I kind of looked up, and she's like, what's the problem, dude? Like, keep, you know, and so I, instead of saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really out of shape, you know, I was like, oh, no problem, let's go, keep, you know, and it kept going, and then I was just dead. I was done. Again, this is Monday morning, right? And and so I'm thinking, man, this is a great job, Philip, you know, you got back into some fitness, and, you know, you're doing good, and I'm thinking, I think I'll heal from this in about a week. So I'm going to show up again next Monday. That sounds like a good plan. And then she says, okay, so you're going to be back here on Wednesday? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And, and then before I realized, I was like, I agreed to this. And then I'm like, oh, no, Wednesday. That's only two days away, <laughs> you know. And, and so that's how I started. And, and so I was starting kind of Monday, Wednesday, Friday. By the end of that week, I, I had decided, man, I really love this and kind of committed to that gym. And, you know, one of the, the unique things um, about that experience was, was that the coach had so much insight, and the coach was really able to not just kind of inspire and motivate, but to, to help and to guide and to correct. And, I mean, 
I played some sports in high school and, you know, been in the gym since I was like 13. And so, I, you know, something like a back squat, for example, you know, I had been doing that for decades, right? And then I show up here and the first time I go to squat down, uh, you know, she's like, have you lifted before? I'm like, yeah, it's good. You know, and the first time I go, she's like, what's wrong? You injured? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, why is your leg like that? You, you know, your, your one leg is like flared out more and, you know, this and that. And, and I thought, yeah, actually, I did have an Achilles kind of injury from basketball, and it's been tender. And, and, you know, but that just, like, opened my eyes. Like, wow, from the first moment, this coach knew there was something wrong and began to help me to make adjustments so that I could be safe and injury-free. And, and you know, that just really kind of blew my mind. It was so different than any other experience that I had had, you know, whether I was with a trainer or not, you know, because this person really knew what they were doing and they were uh, really passionate and, and committed. And so I began to become involved in that community and soon I, I made friends there and I had the accountability to show up, you know, three times a week and then four times and then five times a week because if I didn't show up, then I had my friends kind of, you know, messaging me like, hey, where were you? What happened? Did you do today's workout? It was great. You know, what, what have you been up to? What's going on? And, and so I was like, man, I got to show up so I can see them, so I can, you know, not have them message me like, where were you at, right? And, and so there's that accountability too, and I just got immersed in that. And in that environment, you know, I was able to make a, a big change for myself and for my health. And, uh, you know, I, I was so kind of inspired. I, I went through their certification and got my level one uh, certification so that I could be a coach as well. And, you know, all these different things. But one of the things that really kind of stood out to me was their idea or their philosophy of like, what is fitness? And, you know, f- coming from sports, right? We have athletes and you do sports and you have to be imbalanced and that you are excellent in that one thing that you're doing, whether it's basketball or running and even running, right? You have a short-distance runner. You have a long-distance runner. And, and so you're so focused on that one thing. But they would argue, well, that's not really fitness because overall fitness, you'd be ready for anything. That whether we say, hey, you got to run a marathon or you got to carry you know, a couple hundred pounds, you know, down the street, that you would be ready for whatever it is that, that comes your way. And that really intrigued me. That really um, was interesting to me, right? Every year there's a, uh, in the world of CrossFit, there's a kind of world championship, which is called the Games. Uh, maybe you've had some exposure to that, seen it on, on TV or YouTube or something. But, uh, you know, this is the, the worldwide kind of championship of the, the, the fittest people on the planet, right? And the head of programming for that is a man named Dave Castro. Um, and, you know, Dave, he's a, he's a former Navy SEAL. He was a SEAL instructor. So he's a tough guy. And so he would create these, these tough challenges for the competitors. And in 2017, he, he had put out this kind of challenge of, of, you know, well, this would be an amazing, um, you know, level of fitness, but no one's done this before. In that who would be or someone would be able to back squat 500 pounds 
and in the same day be able to run a mile in under five minutes and do 50 pull-ups, uh, you know, consecutive, unbroken. And so what that shows you is, right, he said it had to be in the same day because you could have someone that is an excellent runner and, you know, runners, you know, we, you don't want to carry weight, right? It slows you down. So they could be an excellent runner, but then a lot of times, uh, unless they're a sprinter, you know, the runners, they can't carry all that extra muscle. So how can you run really fast and still be able to lift that much, right? And so it shows this kind of picture of, of balance. Last summer during the pandemic, um, you know, one of uh, the coaches at a gym back, um, kind of, uh, I guess it's, well, it's more East Coast, uh, his name's Adam Klink. And this guy is, is really just an amazing, amazing teacher, amazing coach, and amazing athlete. And he felt, you know what, I want to try and meet that challenge. And so he set out to train, and he got focused on, you know, how can I continue to become better at, you know, this broad range of things, and he actually did it last summer. So he ran a 456 mile, and he back squatted 500 pounds, and then he finished it off with 50 pull-ups. It's pretty amazing, right? And, and to me, I was like, man, that's, that's amazing, that's inspiring, um, and being able to follow along with him, you know, during the pandemic as he was training for that was really just like, wow, that's kind of crazy, right? But this all, you know, started to come together to me when I was reading through Philippians this past week. Uh, so today, you know, we're going to be going through Philippians 12, uh, I mean 3, verse 12 through 21, so you can Find your way to that. You can, uh, you know, look up your Bible. You look on the screen. You can just Google it on your phone, right? Um, so actually, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you because you are faithful. Lord, I know you spoke to me and you are speaking to each person here That God is proud of you. It's his pleasure to have you as his child. And he loves you so much. Lord, as we enter into your word, as, as we look at the book of Philippians, this letter from the Apostle Paul, Lord God, we pray that each person would be blessed by your word, would be moved by your word, and would be marked by your word and your presence today. So we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul, um, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, he is one of the, uh, you can show that slide, he is one of the, uh, you know, fathers of the early church, right? Just an amazing man. Uh, someday I hope to have great hair like him. Uh, but while I have this, I'll, I'll let it roll, right? But Paul, he's one of the heroes. He's one of these people that many of us look up to, right? He is a man that is, uh, you know, human, that had all kinds of faults, and he was radically transformed. 
He was radically transformed into a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he wrote, inspired by God, a lot of the Bible that we get to enjoy today, right? And Paul, he starts off in this section today by saying, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And this guy, this amazing hero of the faith, Paul is saying that, hey, I haven't made it yet, right? So it's okay that, that you guys, you haven't made it yet either, that I haven't made it yet either, that we all are working towards Jesus. We are all moving closer to him each day. None of us has arrived, right? And he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, when we read that, it's different from what the early church heard in terms that 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 word, take hold or took hold, it's an emotionally packed word. How many of you are parents, have young children? Uh, Maybe they're young now or they were at one time. Well, you've probably experienced that, you know, with little kids, they have trust in the world, right? They just go and do what they want. And you've probably experienced once or twice when you've had to, to grab that child and stop them maybe from running out in traffic or from doing something, from going towards something that might harm them, right? And so you, you, you don't say, you know, my, my daughter's my oldest, and I don't say, Cara, come here, you know, the car's coming. Like, no, I just grab her, right? I just grab her up, Right? And that's what this is talking about. It's almost a a, a violent action. It's this grabbing, seizing, snatching up, taking hold of your child to bring them away from harm into safety. And that's what Paul is saying here. He is saying that I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so he says, I'm not done yet. I haven't made it yet, guys. But what I'm trying to do is I am going forward towards what Jesus has saved me for. Paul was notorious, right? He was, uh, you know, a, a guy that was going around killing Christians. He was persecuting them, right? And that was his reputation. He was passionate. He was zealous for, for you know, going after Christians, Jesus met him along the road and, and encountered him. And at that moment, then, then Paul began to realize, okay, wait a minute. Jesus really is Lord. And his life began to turn, turn around. Acts 9.15 says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Ananias was one of the disciples uh, or the early church followers. And, you know, Paul, he's blinded. Uh, when he encounters Jesus, and Jesus tells him, hey, you're going to go find this guy. And Ananias was that guy. And, and on the other hand, Jesus is talking to, to Ananias, saying, hey, Paul is going to come to you, uh, or, or you know, you're going to go to Paul, actually. And Ananias is saying, wait a minute, Paul or Saul? You know, hey, that's the guy that's killing us, right? So he was scared. But God says, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
So Jesus took hold of Paul so that he would proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, to their kings, uh, also to the Jewish people. Uh, you know, part of his ministry would be to endure suffering because of his faith. In fact, Paul writes a lot of the Bible from jail cell, right? Jesus has taken hold of you for a reason as well. You know, 25 years ago, it, it's kind of, it's just surreal to say that, but 25 years ago when I was in high school, if you asked any of my friends, hey, do you know Phil's going to be a pastor? You know, they'd probably die laughing, right? They'd probably die laughing or they'd be like, hey, what kind of drugs are you on, man? You know, give me some of that too, right? I mean, it's just so crazy. God took hold of me. He met me as a young teenager. He, he really opened my eyes and changed my understanding of the world in, in that, hey, God is real. And that changed everything for me, knowing that God was real. And yeah, I had ups and downs. You know, I had a lot of challenges, and, and Jesus was so patient with me. You know, he's still patient with me today. But that right there, I mean, that is the heart of our scripture today, is that God has taken hold of Paul. Paul recognizes that. God has taken hold of you. Do you recognize that? He has taken hold of you. He has pulled you back into his arms. And it's for a reason, right? And that reason is what we have our life to really pursue and to go after, is why has God saved us? For what purpose for what reason has he saved us philippians 3 13 to 14 as we continue it says brothers and sisters i do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it i haven't arrived yet i'm not done yet but one thing i do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead i press on toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus so Paul tells us that, that one that, that, you know, we're supposed to be passionately going after, you know, what is our purpose in life? After why Jesus took hold of us. For him, he knew, hey, it's to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. It's to, to share the word of God to these kings and, and to God's people, right? And now he begins to move into, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. But how do we do that? And what are the challenges that we're going to face in doing that? And so we start with this picture or this illustration that, that Paul, we know he loves to give, right? Is, is that our life, our faith, it's, it's like being in a race, right? It's like being in a race. And the runners, they run to win. That's what they're supposed to do. They run towards the prize. Jesus did it. Paul did it, and now we are also able to look at our run in this race. Now, some people were motivated by these challenges, right, to break records, to, uh, to go into new places of, of performance or, or kind of accomplishment. You know, I mentioned Adam Clink, and he saw this challenge, and he, he started training for that, and he went for it, and he was eventually able to do that. In the 1950s, there was a different challenge, um, or, and, beyond, and before that. You know, some of you are runners. You can, you can think, you know, what happened 
in kind of the mid-50s was that the four-minute mile barrier was broken, right? And this is this like historical moment uh, because you had Roger Bannister. He was a, a first man to break into uh, the sub four-minute mile time frame, right? And, and he, I think he had some trouble in the Olympics. And then after that, he thought, you know what? I'm going to set a new goal for myself. I want to break that four-minute barrier. And he did it. And you know what happens when he did it? Then, then other people thought, you know what? Hey, I could probably do that too. And then that same year, another man, um, John Landry, broke his record. So Roger, he set the record of three minute, 59 seconds, uh, 59.4 seconds. And then John broke that with three minutes, 57.9 seconds. And the two of them, they, they went at it at the 1954 Empire Games. And so, you know, it was a lot of hype. I wasn't there, but there was a lot of hype about this. And, uh, and uh, you know, because you had this group of runners and they knew, hey, the two guys that are broke that record, they're going to be there running against each other. And there's this iconic picture on the left of that was a deciding moment in the race when, um, you know, John Landry was ahead. He was the leader. And there was a point when he looked back to see where the other runners at. And just that slight turn back, that threw his stride off enough that Roger passed him and ended up winning the race. And this becomes this iconic moment, you know, of Landry looks back. And, I mean, it's kind of sad, right? They made a statue of it. And, uh, you know, it's just this like, hey, this lesson that, that you can learn is you don't want to be caught looking back, right? And that's what Paul says. Remember, he, he, he tells us that, you know what, forgetting what is behind, but we're straining forward, and when we think about, you know, okay, looking behind, right? It's okay to be aware of what is behind us. Like when we're driving, I was driving here this morning, and, you know, we have the rear view mirror, right? It's a small mirror. And we glance at that. We look at our side mirrors. We look to see what's behind us, right? The only time that we get stuck in the car staring at that rear view mirror is when we're going backwards, Right? So Paul tells us, you know, one challenge that we're going to face in life is this urge to get stuck looking backwards. And that can be looking backwards at the bad things that have happened to us and being stuck in a place of, man, this terrible thing has happened to me and I can't move forward, right? And we get stuck in this place. Or it could be a good thing, right? We get stuck in, in that great time before. Maybe some of you are, are like me, and you remember uh, when this place was all red, and there was, you know, pews, and, 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 you know, very different, right? And as I've gotten older, you know what? I surprise myself because I'm like, wow, more and more, you know, we hold on to those, those good old days, or those times in life when, when things were good and we look back with fondness and we can get stuck there. We can also get stuck on our accomplishments, right? I was thinking about that and there's not many things in life that like once you get there, it's like, oh, I made it and I'm done, right? 
my kids are always complaining about homework, right? Well, I got my degree. I, you know, I finished school, right? So then I don't think about homework anymore, right? And, and I never have to think about that anymore, right? But there's other things like, you know, I mentioned, you know, let's say your fitness, right? I know a couple of weeks ago, uh, Superintendent Keith was here talking about, you know, working out and, and how we need to, to be focused on that in our faith, right? And, and that's one of those areas that it, you're never done, it just keeps going, right? It's not about like, hey, I, I reached this place and now I'm done, but it keeps going. And so this is one of the challenges that, that Paul points out. And, you know, I got to be honest because when the pandemic hit, when the pandemic hit, it was hard, right? It was hard on me in that it totally disrupted my schedule, my world, right? My community, because, you know, all the gyms closed down, all the different things closed down. We weren't able to see people like we used to. And, and for me, you know, that was a big part of my life. Every day I was at the gym, I'd start my day there, and then I'd move on to work and other things. And, and so that really messed me up. It challenged me for part of my identity. And honestly, you know what? I'm still trying to pick up the pieces today and trying to rearrange them, and how does it fit? And, and our, ki- you know, our kids in this last, uh, you know, just starting this school year, you know, they're way more active in extracurricular things. And it blows my mind that some of you have more than, you know, two children, three children, four children, and all the activities. I can't even imagine it, right? And, I, and I'm like, man, my schedule is so crazy. And, and where am I at? Who am I? And sometimes I hold on to that, well, hey, I used to be able to do this, or I used to be able to do that. <laughs> but what's really important is, well, where am I at today? Philippians 3.15, continuing on, it says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's like, you know what? God saved you for a reason, and let's keep moving on that. And, and in 17, it says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And so Paul tells us this, this other challenge in life is being stuck on the things of the earth he mentions giving into like the stomach right and, and that's like giving into the earthly desires the urges uh the wants and and that sets us on this different goal than what god would have us because we can't be following god and still be pursuing these earthly things right it's like going towards two different destinations 
And Paul, he, he also in this section, he gives this powerful, um, this kind of responsibility. He reminds us, right? Hey, you guys that are mature Christians, you got to be aware of this. You got to be following others that are, you know, walking in the faith that are maybe ahead of you by a few steps. And also you are going to be an example to others as well. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, just leaders, people that, you know, all of you have influence. You know, if you want a challenge, then in that section there, Philippians 3, um, 317, you know, it says, join together in following my example. Paul is given the invitation. You don't know what to do, just follow me, right? Follow me and I follow Jesus, right? But, but here, instead of saying brothers and sisters, Put in the names of your children. Put in the name of your employees. Put in the names of your grandchildren. And you say, hey, follow my example. Kara and Kai. You know, whoever and whoever. Follow my example. There's such a heavy accountability in that following others who are just a little bit ahead of us, it's such a huge help, right? There, there's people that, that are a little bit ahead of us. Like for me, in my experience, it was having my coaches there that they're really good at what they do. They're a little bit ahead of me. They're not Olympic athletes. You know, they're not at that elite level, but they are a lot farther along than me. And so they were able to really help me, give me insight and instruction. You know, in the, in the same way, you know, I, we received this instruction in, in other areas, right? Last week, uh, last Sunday was my first Sunday th- um, that I was away in, uh, from the church in a long, long time. And, and I went to support some friends at a, a surfing contest, a competition in uh, San Clemente area. And it's, uh, there's a beach break uh, called Trestles. Okay, there's uppers, lowers, churches. Uh, you know, there's different sections uh, of this beach break. Okay, and, and you see that green car? I, I carpooled with a, a friend who had been there before, who knew where they were going. And so I said, you know what, I'll follow you. And it, it's a little complicated down there. And so we parked where the green car is, and that red X, that was where the competition was, Right. And, and so, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a very long walk and all that. And then, you know, I also had some other people that were coming and meeting us. And they didn't get to carpool. And they just Googled, you know, hey, trestles, right? And that took them where the yellow car is to the trestles trailhead, which there's a, a you know, there's a long path to the beach, and that takes you to the northern part of Trestles. So they had to go from there all the way down and walk all the way down, right? I mean, it's these simple things, but, but just those little things, having someone that has done or been there before makes such a huge difference. And we also get to experience that, right? As parents, uh, you know, this last year I, we went, went snowboarding. You can show that. And, and you know, for the first time, my, my kids were always begging to go to the snow. But 
it never really worked out. And, and finally, we spent some time and, and went to Bear Mountain, and I took the kids snowboarding. You know, when I was younger, I used to snowboard a lot more, and I thought I was pretty good and, and you know, had this experience. Uh, not anymore, but, um, you know, and, and I took my, my children, and, and Cara, my oldest, she caught on pretty well. And, and so we went, you know, let's go on some more challenging uh, you know, some more challenging um, sections, and I'll tell you, you know, we, we went on this one, and there, I didn't realize how it was. It said it was, it's called Easy Street, so I said, hey, Easy Street, that sounds good, let's go there, but, you know, and she, Cara's here now, but, you know, I was really scared, because it was just a huge drop-off, and she couldn't turn one direction very well, so she's, like, headed to the end, and I was like, Stay calm, don't freak her out, but like, hey, you know, put your balance this way and lean this way and let's go this way. And But inside, I was really scared because I was like, oh, man, if she falls off the edge, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? But just having some, some experience, right? Now, I'm not an expert snowboarder, but I had some experience, and so I was able to help her, and she obviously, she made it today. She's she survived, right? Um, but that's the call that Paul is putting on us, is that there's a reason why you have been taken hold of by the Lord, why he saved you, right? And I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that we're just like, hey, I'm safe, I'm good, I'm a believer, I've kind of made it to that point, right? But Paul, the guy who had all the reason to say, hey, I made it. You know, I'm, I'm up here in my faith. He's saying, guys, I haven't made it yet. And every day, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to passionately take hold of my purpose in life. And so in this passage, you know, what really spoke to me, and as I thought back over the past few years, it was really amazing to me as I was thinking, you know, what was the key to my success in, in, in the sense of, you know, being able to get into better shape and, and, and whatnot is, is because, you know, we have the information, right? On church on Sunday, you come here and someone tells you, hey, this is the Word of God, and we're like, yes, Word of God, that's great, good concept. I love that, Lord. Good word. Hey, Paul, that was excellent, right? And then, you know, there's this challenge of, hey, do this thing. Live your life this certain way. And then it's like, okay, how? How do I do that, right? I knew the reason why I started looking for a gym was I knew, hey, I could be in better shape or I can be healthier. I had the information, but I didn't know how to do it. It made sense to me, but I, I couldn't do it on my own. And Paul lays it out here. The reason why I was able to stay committed and to make progress and to move forward was because I had community. I had that accountability and community. My friends who would say, hey, where were you? My friends who, when I showed up, they'd say, hey, how's it going, Phil? What's up with you? You know, and we, that community... And I had those coaches, those people that were farther along than me that could help me, that would inspire me, that would push me, hold me accountable, that would check up on me, 
And you know what happened? As I began to come to a place of like, hey, you know what? I know a little bit more than some of the new people that are coming in. Then I was able to help them. I was able to give them some pointers. I was able to say, because, hey, the coach is talking to this person. I said, hey, you know what? Try doing this. Wow, that really helped me, Phil. Thanks a lot, right? Sometimes we feel like, you know what? I'm not qualified enough. And so it's scary to say, hey, follow me. Follow me as I'm following Jesus. But today, Lord is reminding you that all of us are called to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of us for, right? And the way that we do that is by being in the community of people that have that same goal. That's us right here. That's you guys here at Mission Valley, right? And other Christian friends, right? Or family members. That's the community. And then to be active in who are you following after? Who are those coaches in your life? those mentors in your life? And who are you able to share with as well? All of you that are walking with the Lord, all of you, from the youngest to oldest, you're qualified. I think you need to hear that. You're qualified to lead. God has called you to lead others. So take hold of that responsibility. Take hold of that truth and, um, you know, and see how, how the Lord moves in your life. Because a lot of times it's not until we enter into that place where we say, God, you have permission. I want to be available. I want to help others who, are, you know, have a little bit less experience than me. When we move into that area, then we get to see how God uh, really pours out his blessing on us. And we get surprised. I was surprised by how much I was able to do that I thought was not physically possible. And you will also be surprised by how much you are able to do as God fills you with the Holy Spirit and moves you towards action beyond what you think you can do. God is able to do it. Amen. Worship team, you guys can come forward. Will you join me with prayer again? Lord God, we thank you. God, I thank you that someone as amazing as Paul, that he reminds us that, hey, he's, he hasn't made it yet. He's not done. His whole life, he's not going to be done. We're not done. Yes, you have taken hold of us. Yes, you have saved us. But we're not done there. We haven't made it. We've been saved just to start our journey. And so, Lord, every day, help us to remember that, that you have called us to run towards that prize. And the way that we do that is by being grounded in community, by looking to others, and by looking to you. And Lord, we know that that's so much of this that Paul also points out that, that, hey, we are citizens of heaven, that so much 
of our success, so much of what we do or do not do is based upon our identity in who we are. So Lord God, we know that we are here today praising you because of who we are, because we are your children, because we are your beloved, because we are your little ones who you have snatched up and saved. And that's why we worship you. That's why we spend our Sunday morning here. That's why we reach out in love to our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our friends. So Lord, right now we, we ask for that affirmation from your Holy Spirit that, that every person would know, every person would know, every person would know that their identity is child of God. He's wonderfully, beautifully made. He's so proud of you. He's so happy. It was his delight to take hold of you. So God, let us all leave with that in our minds, that we are your child, that everything that we do comes out of that identity. We thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.